0: You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect
1: with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and this week I have a quick and dirty tip about the difference between all the different forms of cannot and a meaty middle to get you in the mood for Halloween. But before we get to the quick and dirty tip, I want to catch up on some of the great stories you shared after last month's segment about differences between British and American English. Eggie wrote, My favorite little-known difference between British and American English is that the British take a decision while we Americans make a decision. After living abroad for several years and hanging out with English pals, I found myself both making and taking decisions. Occasionally, after returning to the U.S., I had to stop and think about word choice. Thanks, Eggy. Peter is British and said he is always fascinated by words that have subtle differences in meaning that can cause confusion if you aren't aware. He wrote, Pavement is the British word for sidewalk but the American word for the black tar and stone mixture that's used to pave the road surface, which we call tarmac. Telling my children when they were younger to be sure to walk on the pavement and stay away from the curb would cause a brief look of consternation to cross my American in-laws' faces. And he wrote that, quote, quite has a similar meaning in American to vary. It sometimes has that meaning in British English, too, but it more usually means a little but not a lot, the exact opposite. I have to be really careful to remember that one when talking with my wife's family," unquote. Thanks, Peter. And Catherine wrote in about the difference between straightaway and right away. She said, I'm American and noticed my son always says straightaway instead of right away. His stepmother is Canadian with an English father. Thanks, Catherine. And finally, a bunch of people recommended that I watch The Great British Baking Show, which is a great suggestion and something I still need to do. I know a lot of people really like it. Thanks again for all the fun observations. And now, on to the quick and dirty tip. Cannot—one word, and can-not—two words—might seem like they mean the same thing, but you use them in different ways. Cannot is usually the one you want. It means unable to or unwilling to do something. I cannot come to rehearsal. Mom said I cannot have the car tomorrow. Can not, two words, is occasionally used as an alternative to the one word cannot, but it shows up most often when the word not is just part of something that comes right after can. For example, use can not, two words, when not is part of a not-only-but-also construction, like these. You can not only be in the play, but also choose your understudy. You can not only have the car, but you can also get the car washed on your way home. Can't, the contraction for cannot, is just a more informal replacement for the one-word form, cannot. Mom said I can't have the car tomorrow don't use can't where you would use the two-word version can-not. Also, when I was a professor, I saw my students write can't—C-A-N-T—without the apostrophe—with surprising frequency when they meant to write can't, the contraction for cannot. I don't know if they were using voice recognition software and it was getting it wrong or what. It was weird. I probably should have asked, but we always had bigger fish to fry. Cant without the apostrophe is a real word, but it's uncommon. It can refer to jargon or a private language, such as one spoken by gangsters or other underworld characters, as in, the cant of mobsters obscures the violence of their exploits. Cant can also refer to talking like you're begging or whining. It has a lot of meanings, but for the most part, you're not going to use most of them. So to sum up, cannot one word is the word you want most of the time. Only use the two-word version when can and not just happen to fall next to each other in a sentence. The contraction can't is fine anywhere you're comfortable using contractions, which are a little more informal than writing out all the words. And always remember to put the apostrophe in can't when you're writing the contraction. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules Only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages. And you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Is it RosettaStone.com/grammar? That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at RosettaStone.com/grammar today.
0: Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen
1: remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. And now on to the meaty middle. Halloween is just around the corner. So with that in mind, this week we're investigating some spooky idioms. Specifically, ones that include the word dead. Dead. It's not surprising that dead is an especially old word, going all the way back to Old English, since it describes such a universally relevant state. The earliest example of the word dead in the Oxford English Dictionary is from Beowulf, which is about a 1,000 years old. Then was Heregard dead, my elder brother, not living. But dead is also a pretty popular word in the dictionary. In fact, the OED lists 31 distinct meanings for dead. For example, dead can mean absolute or complete, as in dead serious, dead wrong, or dead drunk. It can mean profound or deep. Think of a sailboat stranded in a windless, waveless, dead calm, or the dead silence you might experience in a graveyard late at night. Dead can mean straight, as in dead ahead. Dead can also mean flat or tasteless. We say that soda is dead when it's old and all its fizz has floated away. Dead can also mean without commercial or social activity. We might skip out on a dead party, for example—one that was just not happening—or avoid a dance club where no one dances because it's always dead. In addition to these distinct meanings, the OED lists 160 expressions that include the word dead. Wow, we're going to look at just a few. A dead ringer is a person or thing that looks exactly like another. You might dress as Wonder Woman for Halloween if you're a dead ringer for Gal Gadot, or wave to someone who's trick-or-treating because he's a dead ringer for one of your friends. Whoops. To understand this expression, pair one of the meanings of dead, absolute, with the meaning of ringer, a person who closely resembles another. You get someone who looks exactly like another person, a doppelganger, if you will. Ringer is often used to describe a star athlete pulled into a competition at the last minute to give a team an unfair advantage. The word ring has shady connotations of its own, many of which suggest deviousness or thievery. For example, an 1897 dictionary includes the phrase ring in, meaning to sneakily add or substitute cards in a pack, ring the changes, meaning to swap bad money for good, and ring in, meaning to insinuate yourself into company where you're not wanted. These uses are mostly obsolete, but the dictionary lists one definition of ring that's all too current—a gang of thieves, politicians, or mobsters who band together to rob the public. Next, something dead as a doornail is completely dead. There's no hope. A squirrel squished flat is dead as a doornail, as is a bill voted down by both houses of Congress. We can date this expression to 1350, but its origin is unclear. We know that doornails were large metal nails hammered into the outer doors of fancy houses. This was done to join the planks of a door together, to strengthen them, and to decorate them. We also know that door knockers struck a plate called a doornail. But why would either of these things be considered dead? One explanation is that after a doornail was hammered through a door, its protruding tip would be clinched. That is, it would be bent over and buried in the interface of the door, tying the timbers of the door together. This would render the nail dead, incapable of being pulled out and used again. Another explanation is that the kind of doornail used under a knocker would be struck over and over all day long in a busy household. Perhaps this daily beating left little life in the poor doornail. A final explanation is that similar phrases, such as deaf as a doornail and dumb as a doornail, appeared about the same time in history. Perhaps all of them were used simply because they sounded cool. People couldn't resist all that alliteration. Whatever the explanation, know that if something's dead as a doornail, it's really, truly dead. Next, dead in the water refers to an idea or an object that's completely stalled. If none of your friends wants to dress up for Halloween, your idea for a costume party might be dead in the water. Same thing if your new business can't find any backers. This expression was first used literally to describe a ship unable to move. An 1871 article in the Times of India describes a ship lying dead in the water after the sea broke on board the vessel and she refused to answer her helm. And a 1956 New York Times article describes two ships dead in the water after they collided in the nighttime off the coast of Nova Scotia. We still use the term in a literal sense, but more often we use it in a figurative sense to describe an idea or a plan that's unable to move forward. We hope you're enjoying learning about all these deadly phrases. Next week, we'll continue celebrating Halloween with a talk about skeleton keys and skeletons in the closet. That segment was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. Thanks to all the people who left podcast reviews and told me where they listen over the last couple of weeks. Jittery Rabbit listens while tackling mundane jobs at work in Vancouver, Canada. Vienna listens from Austria, and Squeaky f d five says the show is best listened to while working on a solo project or while winding down after a long day and playing solitaire. Ali Lara G listens from Caracas, Venezuela while driving to work, and thanks to Matt DC, who didn't say where he listens, but maybe, washington d c. Also, I was really surprised to see that someone had already left a review on the Grammar Daily at Amazon, my 2018 tip-a-day calendar. Reviews on Amazon really help a lot, so thanks, LaSasha, for the two thumbs up. I'm Mignon Fogarty. Grammar Girl is part of the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network. If you're looking for something new and interesting to listen to this week, try the Nutrition Diva podcast. This week's episode is about seitan, a meat substitute, an ingredient in tofurkey that gets its protein from a surprising source. You can find Grammar Girl, The Nutrition Diva, and all the Quick and Dirty Tips podcasts at quickanddirtytips.com and on your favorite podcast platform. That's all. Thanks for listening.